If you would take your Bibles, please, and turn with me to the book of 1 Samuel, chapter number 3. We're going to look at verse 10, 1 through 10 this morning. 1 Samuel chapter number, number 3. We'll read this passage in just a moment. There's going to be a meeting at the First Presbyterian Church Thursday night. Jan, is that 6 or 6.30? All righty, now I must start all over. <laughs> Tuesday night at Cumberland Presbyterian, 6 o'clock. It's, it's to help. It's an information meeting looking for folks that have a heart and the same mind to help the homeless in the community on cold nights when it gets too cold for them to be outside. And the community's trying to put together some uh, ways to help the homeless and to minister to them. That'll be Tuesday night, 6 o'clock, Cumberland Presbyterian Church. All right. And that's just an informal meeting. If that's a ministry that you would be, like to be a part of as an individual, if it's something that's on your heart, uh, please go. If you have other questions, you can ask Jan and she can share, share that with you as well. 1 Samuel chapter number 3. Would you stand please with your Bible in hand for the reading of God's holy word. Chapter number, number 3 of 1 Samuel. Now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation. Now we're going to come back in a minute and really dig into that verse 1. That verse 1 is power-packed. And I mean, there's just a lot right there. We're going to come back in a moment and really deal with that. But anyway, let's go on and read. And it came to pass at the time why Eli was lying down in his place when his eyes began to grow dim that he could not see. And before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle... Of the, of the ark of, of God was while Samuel was lying down. That the Lord called Samuel and he answered, here am I. So he ran to Eli and he said, here I am, are you calling me? And he said, I did not call, lie down again. And he went and lay down. Verse 6, then the Lord called yet again, Samuel. So Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. And he answered, I did not call you, my son. Lie down again. Now Samson did not yet know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time, so he arose and he went to Eli and he said, Here I am, for you did call me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord had called the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down and it shall be, if he calls you, that you must say, Speak, Lord, your servant hears. So Samuel went and he laid down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood and he 
called as he did other times, Samuel, Samuel. Samuel answered, speak for your servant hears. Would you bow with me as we go to the Lord in prayer? Father, we ask for your direction and we ask for your leading now as we study this passage of Scripture. God, that you would just burn it into our hearts and lives. Help us to see and understand something, God, in our own walk, in our own heart, in our own life, in relationship to Samuel and your call and your speaking to him. May you do a great work in us and through us and we honor you and glorify you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. And if you would be seated, please. We're going, to, we're going to begin a new series this morning. It'll be about a three, I think, a three or four week series on the importance of God's Word. Just how important is the Word of God in your life? How important is it to you? How important is God's Word to you in relationship to you living a victorious Christian life, growing in the Lord and being the Christian that God wants you to be? The Word of God is extremely important. And that's what we're going to see in this introductory sermon right here dealing with the call of Sam, Samuel. Uh, I want to begin with this introduction. You'll see this if you picked up notes on the way in. Someone has said, God's Son is your greatest Lord. And He is, isn't He? He is Lord. Don't you love to sing that song? That Tony led us in a moment ago. God's spirit is your greatest friend. And he certainly is. I once heard a sermon preached. The friend within. And I would never forgot about that. Because the Holy Spirit is your friend. That walks with you every day. Who lives within you. Jesus said I will never leave you nor forsake you. And he does that by the power and the presence. Of the Holy Spirit in your life. And someone has said, your greatest, God's word, is your greatest treasure. I say amen to that, my friend. The word of God is your greatest treasure. You can have silver and gold. You could win the lottery. You can have millions, so much money that you could never spend. And I'm telling you, friend... You figure out, go find someone to offer it to me today and say, I'll give you all of this if you'll give me the Word of God and never pick up the Bible again. I will say, no, thank you. I started to call him a word <laughs> used in Proverbs, um, fool, <laughs> but I won't. I'll say, absolutely not. Keep it. I don't want it. God's Word is the greatest treasure you and I could ever have. The God of the universe who created everything has dropped into our possession His Word. And we can read it. It's His roadmap for our life telling us what to do, where to go, how to live, how to answer other people, how to make decisions in our lives, how to have a happy home, a happy family, the Word of God. Why would we ever want to not read 
the word of God, the greatest treasure we could ever have. Some of you are thinking, and if you're sort of thinking ahead about the text we just read, you've already figured it out, and you're saying, wait a minute. Samuel was hearing God speak, and it was sort of like prayer, and here you are, preacher, talking about the word of God. My friend, do you and I understand prayer and the word of God go together? They're just like that. Prayer and scripture are like a hand in a glove. You want them both. We need them both. They work together. They cooperate together. You read the scripture and you pray. You pray and you read the scripture. Every one of my morning quiet times, devotional times, is spent with the Bible in my lap and reading the Word of God and praying the Word of God. Praying Scripture for other people. Thank you that have prayed for our grandson. He was the reason we were not here last Sunday. We have him in a great place now. He's going to be in a 12-month program. And it's just designed, faith-based, and God's doing a great work. And he's going to continue to do it in his life. And all week as I prayed for him, I've read scripture and prayed for Micah. I read scripture and prayed for Micah. God is using scripture and prayer in our lives, folks. That's how you walk with the Lord. Get a hold of that. Use it in your quiet time. Well, let's get past the introduction. Let's get down to exposition. Let's look at the text. Look at verse number one of this third chapter in the book of 1 Samuel with me, if you would. Now, the boy Samuel ministered before the Lord, before Eli. Don't you just love the way that sounds? The boy Samuel. Well, that's exactly what he was. Samuel was 12 years old. He was 12 years old. And here he is helping the high priest of Israel. The high priest. There's only one of them from time to time in Scripture. The high priest. They were over the tabernacle. They were over the tabernacle and the worship of God. They were in charge of the sacrifices. And so the high priest is there. And here is this boy Samuel come alongside him and is helping Eli, the high priest, do the ministry there in the tabernacle where the people all came to worship God. Let me tell you something. This statement, the boy Samuel. Samuel is the child that should not have been. Samuel was the boy that was never supposed to be born. Samuel was the miracle baby that God gave Hannah. If you go over and you begin to read chapter 1 of 1 Samuel... You read in chapter 1 about this beautiful woman named Hannah. She was the second wife of her husband. Now, I don't need to spend a lot of time on that. We've talked about that before. It doesn't matter how many wives you can find mentioned in the Bible. God wasn't for it. He was for one wife. 
you have one wife. God didn't put his blessing on all of the multiple wives in scripture that all of these guys had. That was their flesh. That was their culture of that day. That didn't make it the plan of God. God tells us how things were. And so Hannah was God's choice of a wife. And it says that her husband loved her more than the other wife, but there was a problem. The other wife was having all these children, and Hannah couldn't have any kids. Says she was barren. Now that's interesting, isn't it? The Old Testament, we've read about several of these women lately who were barren and couldn't have children. But it's amazing how miraculously God touched them and gave them a child. Well, anyway... Hannah had gone down to Shiloh where Eli, the high priest, was over the tabernacle. She had gone there on a yearly trip to worship. And on that trip to worship, she began to pray. In fact, before she prayed, she was depressed. You could look at her face and see that she was depressed. She was weary. All of this is in chapter 1, by the way, if you decide to read it. She was weary and depressed and she began to pray in that depressed state now here's the way she prayed I want you to watch closely you couldn't hear what I was saying could you but what you could you do you could you could see my lips move and Eli saw her doing that he saw her lips moving and couldn't hear anything she was praying from the heart he thought she was drunk. In fact, he said to her, what are you doing, drunk woman? What are you doing up here at the temple at this hour of the day being drunk like that? She said, I'm not drunk. I haven't had anything to drink. In fact, I am a Nazarite. I'm not going to drink any strong drink or wine. I'm praying. I am pouring my heart out to God and said, if you want to know more about it, I'll I'll even tell you my prayer, what I was praying about. He said, yeah, I'd like to know. Hannah looked at the high priest, Eli, and he said, here was my prayer. I said, God, if you will give me a baby boy, as soon as I wean him, I'll give him back to you. And I'll bring him to the temple. And he can live the rest of his life here at the temple serving God. And Eli high priest helping you Eli looked at her and he said I tell you what God just told me this time next year you're going to have a baby boy so just get ready to bring him back to the temple as soon as he's weaned and that's how our story goes chapter 2 Samuel is born and Hannah praises God. She brings him to the temple. She dedicates him to God. And now in chapter 3, here is Samuel, 12 years old, serving at the temple. His home is long behind him. He now lives at the temple and he's serving God there at the temple. What a powerful, powerful story this is. God is using Samuel now, in a mighty, mighty way. Notice the Bible says in the rest of that verse 1, that the word of the Lord was rare 
in those days there was no widespread revelation. Do you and I remember in the scripture that how it told us in the Old Testament that there, there came a time when God wasn't speaking very often? And God wasn't saying much. It was silent years. Now, friend, listen to me. We don't have that anymore. We've got God's holy word. We've got a Bible. If God is silent in your life, it's your fault, not his. If God is silent in your life, it's because you're not praying and reading his word. It's because you're not yielded to him and surrendered to him. I'm going to tell you something, folks. When we get surrendered to the Lord and we yield our life to Him and we begin to abide in Christ and we begin to pray and read His Word, God will not be silent in your life. He was silent then because of the sins of the people. And God wasn't saying much. And He was, and it's saying the Word of the Lord was rare. Now tonight in the service, we'll finish this story and we'll see how God began to use Samuel in his adult life to speak the word of God in that day. But that's what we're going to do tonight. But the word of the Lord was rare. No one was hearing much from God. Verse number 2. It came to pass at that time while Eli was lying down in the place, they slept there in the tabernacle near the holy place. Eli was growing old. His eyes were becoming dim. He was getting close to death himself. Before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle, the Lord of the tabernacle of the Lord, where the Ark of the Covenant was, there was Samuel. He was lying down too. That lamp of God going out, that was a seven-prone lamp that was there right before the Holy of Holies. And that lamp burned 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And the responsibility of Samuel and Eli the high priest was to trim the wick in that lamp, to keep it filled with oil, to keep that light burning. That lamp stood at the door right there before you entered the Holy of Holies. Inside the Holy of Holies is where God dwelt. God's presence was there with them. That lamp was a lamp that was a type and a pattern of Jesus. And Jesus came as the light of the world. And so no longer after Jesus came did they need that light before the Holy of Holies because Jesus was God in the flesh walking among us and He was that light that had come into the world. That was the symbolism of that lamp in the, in the temple, in the tabernacle before the Holy of Holies. And this is the ministry that Samuel is a part of keeping this light burning as a testimony to the fact that Sunday Jesus is going to come and Jesus will be here. What a great ministry to be a part of as a young 12-year-old boy. The future of Israel, the future of the people of God. And man, what a, what a story that is. But let's come down to really where the rubber meets the road for a moment. And that is God speaking to Samuel. 
The Bible tells us, and I'm not going to go read it all, but reread it rather, but it says that, that Samuel, as he was laying on his bed, he heard someone calling him, Samuel! Well, he just knew it was Eli, and he got up out of bed, and he ran over to where Eli was. He said, yes, sir, you called? What, 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 what do I need to do? What do you need? Eli said, I, I didn't call you. I didn't call you. Just go back and go back to bed and lay down again. That happens three times. Samuel! He jumps up and he runs. Eli said, I didn't call. Finally, the third time, Eli has figured this out. And he says, Samuel, here's what I want you to do. The next time your name is called, I want you to say this. Say, yes, Lord. Yes, God. I'm listening to you. Man, I tell you what, I get so fired up when I even think about that. My friend, can you imagine? Can you imagine God audibly speaking your name? And he's calling you by name. Now, that doesn't happen today, okay? I'm not saying it's impossible. God can do anything God wants to do anytime he wants to do it. But it's very unlikely that you will ever hear God call your name audibly. God's going to speak to your heart. You're going to hear it in your heart, but you're probably not going to hear the audible voice of God. But that's what Samuel did. Now remember, the word of the Lord, God speaking, was rare in those days. So all of a sudden, Samuel hears God call his name. Samuel! Samuel! And he raises up and he says, Here, yes, Lord. But I want you to listen to what he says. Your servant is listening. Would to God that you and I could say that when God speaks to our heart out of his word. Would to God you and I could say that when the Holy Spirit is speaking to our heart. Instead of pushing God away. Instead of trying to get so busy that we crowd out with other noise the voice of God. Wouldn't it be incredible if God is speaking to us through his word or in our heart. And we responded the way Samuel did. And we said, yes Lord, I'm listening. What do you want to say to me? I promise you, friend. God has spoken to you. I promise you God is speaking to you. When you pray, when you seek His direction, when you're going through struggles and trials in life, when your heart is so heavy and it's breaking and you're crying out to the Lord, I can promise you, friend, God is speaking to you. Hear Him. Find out what he's saying. Now one of the reasons we don't want to hear what God's saying is many times is because we don't want to do what he says. We don't want to admit that he's right and we're wrong. We don't want to confess our sin and our situation to him. 
We don't want to do what it is God is speaking to us about. And so to, to make sure that we're, we stay in that safe zone and keep our distance from God, we just don't hear Him. We just don't acknowledge Him. We just don't say, okay, God. But if we could somehow be like Samuel and say, yes, Lord, what is it? Your servant is listening. We see that in verse 10. Speak. Your servant is listening. Psalm 64, verse 10. Psalm 4 and verse 4. Both of those verses contain this same word from God. And it's this. Be still and know that I am God. Do you know one of the biggest theological strengths of this passage we're looking at? And the reason that Samuel could hear God speak, it's so minute, don't miss it, don't fly past it. Don't look for the great things of God and miss the little nuggets God gives us. Here's the reason Samuel heard God speak. He was still. He was still. Be still and know. That I am God. You know the best thing some of us could do. It's cut our cell phones off. For a while. It's to stop texting everybody in the world. It's to say I tell you what. I think I'm going to take about an hour break from Facebook. <laughs> I think I'm going to take a day off from Facebook and being online. I think I'm going to sort of clear my mind a little bit. Do you realize, friend, how cluttered our minds are in our culture? You talk about the word of the Lord being rare in that day. I'm telling you, friend, the word of the Lord is rare in our day, but it's not God who's making it rare. We're the ones that's made it rare because we've got so much stuff going on around us. How in the world could we hear God speak if he spoke to us? How's he going to speak to us? How's he going to get through all of the clutter going on in our heart and life? Be still, God says in Psalm. Be still and know that I am God. I want to I encourage you, friend. Find a way, however you find that way. Whatever you do. Find a way, some way that connects with who you are and what you do. Find a way to let God speak to you and to hear him and to know that he's speaking to you. Be intentional about hearing God speak. I want to show you someone who is very intentional for a moment over in the book of Mark, Mark's gospel, chapter number one. And I want you to notice something here in verse number 35 for a moment. Mark chapter one and verse number 35. I've used this scripture before. We've talked about it before. But it's been a long time ago because it just has. But I want to come back to it for a second. I want you to see something in the life of Jesus 
Now, before we read this verse, and I'm just going to take a survey right here. You don't have to raise your hand. I think I know what you, you would think. And I would say this. Uh, how many of us today believe that Jesus really needed to hear? He really needed to hear the Father speak when he was on earth. Well, well, all of our hands would go up. He said, the Father has sent me. I've come to do the will of my Father. Well, if the Father sent him and he came to do the will of his Father, then it's going to be important that he hears what the Father has to say so that he can do the will of his Father. We're talking about the humanity side of Jesus right there, not the deity part. But he needed to hear from the Father. Verse 35 of Mark chapter number 1, Jesus had just been involved in a big healing time with the people in the city. They came, they brought people that were sick. People that were diseased, they had stood at the door. Nightfall came, the people had to leave, and Jesus went into the house with the disciples to go to sleep. And then verse 35, now in the morning, this is about Jesus, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, but when they found him, they said to him, everyone is looking for you. Now stop there. Look this way a minute. Don't, don't try to read ahead. Just look this way for a moment. Watch what happened. Jesus got up himself early. Nobody else had gotten up yet. There were probably bodies laying all over that house. No telling how many were there sleeping. We know Jesus had 12 disciples and he would be 13 and somebody had owned the house. That's 14. We know at least 14 people were in that house and maybe more. So I can imagine he had to step across bodies. He had to do everything to get to the door to get out of the house so that he would wake nobody up so that he could go and find a place to be alone. He wanted to be alone. He did not want anybody to go with him. Now my friend, if you want to get me upset, you try to get in on my quiet time. You can't. I won't let you. I don't want you at my quiet time. I want to be alone. And I want to be alone with God. Me and him only. And Jesus wanted to be alone and he got out there and he found a place to pray and he began to pray and no sooner than he began to pray, guess who comes? Here comes the Calvary. The twelve disciples, the noble men, we're doing a good deed. Everybody's come to the house and Jesus, they're looking for you. Now here's the key. Jesus knew the crowd was going to show up that day, didn't he? But he also knew, if I leave early enough, I can get away from the crowd before the crowd gets me pinned in in this house. Because I don't plan to be here tomorrow. I've got to do the will of God. And so Jesus got away by himself, got away before the crowd got there. The disciples are coming and they say, come on Jesus, we've got to get back to the house. All the crowd's there, they're looking for you, all the sick people there, everybody there. They're all looking for you. And my friend, what Jesus says next, I'm telling you, you talk about nailing it down. You talk about powerful. You talk about saying, yes, Lord, your servant is listening like Samuel did. And Jesus did. Jesus says to his disciples, I'm not going back to that house and that crowd. I didn't come to 
to heal the sick. I came to preach the good news of my Father in heaven. And he said, let's go, guys. We're going to the next city where I'm going to preach God's word to them. One of the most powerful passages in all the Bible about hearing God speak. Jesus knew, here's what God wants me to do today. He doesn't want me to go back to that house. He wants me to go on down the road and continue to preach the gospel. That's why I came forth. I wonder how my life and your life would actually be different if actually tomorrow morning we prayed and God actually told us what he wanted us to do Monday. And he actually told us what he wanted us to do Tuesday. Well, you, you think I've lost my mind. My friend, I have not lost my mind. Listen to me. That's how the Christian life is supposed to be. Now, I know we go to work. I know we do all of those things. And that's not up for options. God puts us in his will and we stay there and we do it. But there are so many details in our life. So many relationships so many people we come in contact with. So many opportunities that will be presented to us next week. That if we actually heard God telling us and speaking to our heart, we might be amazed at how God would open doors for us to touch the lives of other people. Because we didn't make up our mind ahead of time. He's actually speaking to us. And we're hearing him. You see, that's what Samuel was doing. There are two words, and we're going to end right here as we come to this conclusion. The word inspiration and the word illumination. Simply, here's what those two words mean. The word inspiration is how we got this Bible. God, by the Holy Spirit, inspired men to write the Bible. And so your Bible is without error. It's God's truth from cover to cover. He spoke it. You can trust the Bible being God's voice. When you say, Lord, I want you to speak to my heart. And you open the Bible and begin to read it. God will begin to speak to your heart. It may not be the same every time. But he'll begin to speak to your heart. That's how he inspired the word. It's his word. The word illumination is how God takes the Bible that he inspired and conveys it to your mind and your heart. He illuminates his inspired word when you read it. He makes it applicable for your life today. That's why you hear all of these skeptics saying this. How can a book 4,000 years old, how can a book 2,000 years old be relevant today? Why, it's archaic. You don't need to believe what the Bible said. It's not even in touch with modern society. You see, they don't understand inspiration, that it's God's Word. Nor do they understand illumination. God illuminates his word he makes his word relevant to your life and my life today as we read it because friend 
The world may have changed, but human nature hadn't changed, has it? Human nature hasn't changed one bit since the Garden of Eden. Not an ounce. It's all the same. And so God illuminates his word. Like Samuel, Jesus was a man of prayer. Samuel was a man of prayer. Would you be a person of prayer? A person of prayer, a person of the word of God, letting the Bible and prayer come together. Let's bow together for a moment as we prepare for invitation. If you're here today and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, I want to ask you right now to consider giving your life to Jesus and being saved. I'm going to be standing here at the front. If you'd come and if you'd say, Pastor, I want to be saved. I've never trusted Christ as my Savior. I want forgiveness of my sins. I desire this eternal life you've been talking about as our pastor. I want to be saved. I'll pray with you, friend, and I'll help guide you to make that decision for Jesus. You just need to come. Be willing to come. If you're here today and you're looking for a church home and God's spoken to your heart and you know this Elizabeth Chapel is where you need to be. It's where you want to join. It's, it's the church that you want to anchor your life in. Would you just come today and say, Pastor, today we come. We want to join the church. We want to be a part of the church family here. And we'll talk with you and work with you about how we do all of that. We just want you to be willing to come and be a part of us. If you're here today and you have a burden on your heart, this altar is open for you to pray. And you can lift up your need to the Lord. We're praying right now for Megan Sullivan, Teresa's daughter, getting ready to have a baby or it might already be here. We're praying for her. We're praying for others with other needs in our congregation. Other people have heart, heartfelt needs. Other people have issues in their lives just like I did and my wife in our lives with our grandson. Many of you are facing many, many things. Bring them to the Lord. Find a place. Clear you out a place in this altar and begin to pray and surrender your life to God to be a prayer warrior, to be an intercessor, to stand in the gap. If you want to rededicate your life, you can come. We'll be here to pray with you. Just renew your walk with God. You've been saved. You know that, but you've fallen away. You've slidden away. But you want to renew your walk with God. We'll pray with you about that. God, have your way in our invitation. May you speak to our hearts. We ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.